Uh, that looks like shit, doesn't it? I don't know. Talk to me. This I'm way. I'm talking right now. Can you hear me? Okay. I hear you great. Can you cool. hear me? I can. I can hear you just. Are you fine. broadcasting yet? I am broadcasting actually. Are we? Oh, so I shouldn't smoke. I mean, if you want to, that's that's up to you. It is called the after party. Take, how long is this taken? <laughs> I love when a guest comes on and the first thing they no, say okay, to you is, "How long am I going to be here?" How's this? Is this better? That's great. How, how's, that? how's that? Is that good? <laughs> how's that? That's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I would expect from you. Okay. Do I look better like this? <laughs> you look. You look great. If how's if, this? How's if this? maybe you could show me like just your one eyeball. Am I getting a little bald or what? We're, we're, why do you think I'm wearing this hat? All right, where am I? Okay, I don't like that. Here, let's see. Uh, awesome! Okay, you like that? I like see, that. The problem is, is, no matter what I do, my head's crooked, and I always got to look this way. I wish I could turn the whole thing, watch I drop my TV. I don't right. care. All right, fuck right. it. I'm ready to go. All right. Talk to me. I'm talking to you, buddy. Talk? I'm talking to you. There we go. All right, so we are, we are there. You got it all together, man. You got it all together. I don't no, know about no. that. I don't think I have it all together in, no, in the no terms bubbling. of I'm kind of together. Let me know. Okay, let me, let me know when we start, guys. We, we have started. We have started. There are three people watching us right now already. Hey, three. How can I tell how many are watching us? I don't know. I don't know, man. All right. So I have what's to. The, what's the format? The format is is we chat, we have a conversation. The whole the whole idea of this entire thing is that it's just like you and me sitting down for a drink, or in my case a drink, in your case not a drink. After after the uh, the set, you would have just played your sets. So you're all sweaty, and uh, and you're and you're you're feeling it. You know, and that's. I, but, I, but I played a record. It wasn't a set. Yeah, yeah. In this case. In this, in these trying I'm new times. Play after at eight o'clock, that's why. Well, yeah, and and uh, I'm gonna hopefully you know you'll get some more people watching it because that's what they're doing. They're they're watching us, watching it's, you, it's watching just, them. Is this is this on Facebook right now? Yeah, we're Facebook Live right now because you've been on social media a lot more lately, obviously. And do you feel like it's um, it's it's connecting you more? You know, I'm sure, and I'm not trying to be funny. On one hand, um, when this whole thing hit, I, 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 like a lot of other musicians, ran, you know, our work got canceled. Yeah, and, just and done. Actors and everything. Now, listen, before I go any further, and I said I try to say this, man, that's for me. That's small potatoes. There are people dealing with a lot worse shit than anything I'm dealing with, and I, I'll be lucky if that continues. Right. Right. So let's not, you know, you know, the people that are sick aren't people that were stupid. There are people that were fortunate there. And, and that's that's how I look at this thing. And so when they canceled my gigs, I understood that that's what needed to be done. And at that point, I no longer was living a regular life because there is no hope for me going to work at sheets or something like that. Let's say right. it just affected the music industry. You're not going to see me at a regular job. I've already, that's not what I do. I can't do it. I cannot follow it. It's not me. I love to, but it's just not me. Sure. And so what I did is I said, well, okay, I went into emergency mode and I said to myself, what do you know? And I said, well, I know, I know how to be sincere. I've made enough fuck ups in my life right. where I know that being as straight as you can be, regardless of what other people think and be open-minded you know, and be honest and sincere, you can't get in trouble, can you? Right. You know, right. if you tell the truth, you're not going to get caught in a lie. 
Simple as that. Yeah. Right? And we're in emergency situations. I've always been an honest guy, mm -hmm. but I'm just done. I mean, all, there's not, I'll be, you can ask me anything you want. There's nothing I wouldn't tell you. Right. Number two, my love for music. And there's only way I can play music now is either for here in my room. Well, I've never, that's not what I do. So I turned out and I figured out how to work the, the live streaming. And I have connected to a lot of people. So to answer your question in a long-winded, overblown, opinionated <laughs> way, <laughs> yes, it's, it, it has been life-saving to me. Now, I had to deal with a few things. Like, I thought my phone was on the fritz. I was like, you know, only me. My phone goes under. No, no. Here's what I learned. Slow down. Just yeah. slow down. We have to slow up a little bit. Let's not react so fast to every single thing. Right. Whether it's something you read, something you hear, or something that happens to you. Right? Right. I have a boy from India. I told people I would give uh, lessons. Right. To the kids. No, no. Right. Or anybody. I don't care. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not saying I want you as my student, right? That's good. I'm I don't want to be your student. No. I don't <laughs> want, I don't, I'm not a guitar teacher per se. I, there's so many better teachers. In, in Lancaster, in my area, I can think of two right off the bat. Three, yeah. four. Trey Alexander, phenomenal teacher. Yeah. Right? Phenomenal player. Oh, yeah. Totally. Wayne Wayne Thompson, phenomenal player, phenomenal teacher. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh, Rod Gelds, right? He's a genius. for teaching. I'm not. I can connect with a few people, and I have my few people that I connect with, and we're very close with my students. Right. However, during this time, I don't mind showing somebody a few things. And so that's another thing I had to figure out. So today I was supposed to teach this kid from Del New Delhi. I taught him last week, and he, he they've been locked down harder than we have for a long time. Sure. And believe me, you think it's hard to get straight answers here. Yeah. What he's telling me, you know, they're telling him stuff like there's only been, you know, like 10 people sick over there, but you got to stay in. Wow. I'm exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. Sure, sure. I was supposed to have a session with him today and uh, my Internet wasn't working. The old Quentin, pre-virus Quentin, <laughs> would have been pissed off. The new Quentin understands this. We're not going anywhere. I don't, there's no time we got to be anywhere. We right. got to be in. We have to be in. Yeah. So calm down. Calm down. Sure. There's nothing we can do. We can't. We, you know. And so that's what I do. I just, I just go back to, you know, being who I am. Okay. How was that? That was what great, man. No. Damn it. So, <laughs> well, I mean, let's to the people who don't know you. If you're, if you're in the Lancaster, PA area, and you've ever seen live music, live you music in the past. Me. 100 years you don't know you, you don't, know. <laughs> you don't you, know me if you're in lancaster you know me if you're in delaware you know me if you're in new york city you know me if you're in la lancaster you don't know me except for a few people that don't like me. which is the weird <laughs> part isn't it isn't it because this we have this conversation pretty much every time we chat and for those of you who don't know quentin and i have known each other for probably going on i want to say 10 years maybe seven to ten years somewhere in there Getting up to ten years. It's getting yeah. up to ten years. So we've known each other a while. We tried to work together. I think we finally, we finally found something with this with this new band he's got. And and we'll go into that in a little bit. I want to plug QDK and everything because I, I just I love this band, man. Um, but I th we've known each other a while. Quentin has been in the music scene for I think since eighteen thirty seven. 
something. Like that. <laughs> something. <laughs> he's uh he he's been around forever. He's played with so many people that I would need an hour just to explain how many people he's he's actually played with. Uh, and and you, dude, you've been afforded some incredible opportunities. So I'm gonna let you tell us. Just just you don't have to give us the whole life story because I want okay, I want to encourage people. Saying. Yeah. But just give us a little resume if you can. Like who I worked with or 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 how I got what I do. Let's let's start from let's skip ahead to where you knew what you were doing and you were playing guitars in bands. Gotcha. And you got afforded well, the this first opportunity. Guy I really worked with and real quickly would be and I'll get through cuz uh um I have been fortunate. I'm blessed. And I don't mean that in any other way but positive, you know. I I believe me, I uh I use a lot of words to color, right? Yeah. You know, the colorful words. The colorful words. Just because I colored in the sun yellow doesn't mean I don't realize the sun is many more colors than yellow, right? <laughs> okay. We got that squared away, right? Right, right. There's something else we got to leave in the past. Being careful every word you say. And I'm going to leave that in the past. So Charlie Gracie. Charlie Gracie. Yes. The legend. That man. I'm fortunate. I met him through a series of events. And I had already had resume. I'd already worked with Lee Rocker from the Stray Cats. I already worked with Robert Gordon, rockabilly legend. Sure. Um, I Reach Around Rodeo Clowns were already launched. Reach Around Rodeo Clowns had already peaked in New York City where we were selling out venues we were going to and we had labels interested in us and all that. So I had had a career and uh, my personal life started going apart. And Charlie was the first guy to actually hire me as a side guy. Follow me? Yeah. You know, Robert, I worked with in the studio. I wasn't his live guy. Reach Around Rodeo Clowns was my band, right? Right. But uh, this was the first guy to hire me to be a musician. And through working with him, everything goes. Everything sprouts from there. I met so many people. I got to work with either on record, either in the studio or on tracks with songs I was producing, songs I wrote. Like Graham Nash sang on a song I wrote and a song I played on. So tell us who Graham Nash is, because honestly, I don't even know at this point. Crosby, Steals and Nash. That Nash. Kids, if you're not paying it, I knew who it was. I just wanted to lead into it. So, so Graham Nash of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, kids, if you're paying now, attention. Here's a lesson. If, you're, if you are a – listen, here's a lesson. When I was a kid and I used the word 19, I opened for this band called The Hooters who were on their way to – they were right before they rocketed to success. Sure. Right? And, and the Hooters are, band, are – have been around for a long time. I mean, like longer was, than most people realize. Well, this was right after they were done with the Cindy Lopner She's So Unusual album, because a lot of people don't realize they played on that album and they wrote some of this material on that album. Sure. And and any time after time. When did when did um because I know it was uh uh oh god, am I am I saying it right? Eric Bazilian? Was it Yeah. Was it Eric who wrote Time After Time for Cindy? No, no, no. Rob. Rob wrote, wrote it. it. Rob Hyman, he wrote it. Okay. And Eric wrote, um, later he wrote What If God Was One Of Us. Right. But but the uh, Hooters... The story, well, 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 go ahead. So the Hooters, because I'm just trying to introduce people to this music if they haven't heard of it. And and uh, the, there there's a great song called uh, Zombies. 
All, all you zombies. zombies. All you zombies. Um, so look it up if you can. So you have a they little frame the album, of reference. Their big album was Nervous Night, and we danced. And we danced. Amazing song. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, a whole bunch. I mean, they had many hits. So anyway, story was, this was right before that all exploded. Sure. And I, I was here in a little town in Lancaster. And, you know, at the time... We got hired to open the band. I thought, see, we're we're good. And I didn't realize the reason we got it is because, you know, we were the only ones dumb enough to, hey, do it. Yo, come on. <laughs> that's, that's like, you know, that's like, you know, uh, you know, you know, challenging the heavyweight champion. To right, fight, right, you right. Know? Like, anyway, so <laughs> we totally sucked. We totally sucked. And put it this way, with a lot of rehearsal, we were bad. And when we played, we had a bad gig. So we weren't just bad. We were bad, then had a bad gig on top of it, uh, it's, right? It was a, a whole slew of events that changed this. Yeah, it just wasn't good. <laughs> so uh, afterwards, David Osikinen and Eric and Rob were so kind to me. I never forgot it. And instead of being dicks like a lot of bands were when you opened for them, they were nice. And i never forget Eric's like, okay, Quentin, the first thing you need is a guitar that stays in tune. I was like, gotcha. <laughs> Let me get one of those. Gonna get one of those. Okay. <laughs> I guess I, I should have asked, does this guitar stay in tune? You know, I thought it was cool looking. That's oh, why I man. bought it. I'm not lying. I bought the guitar because I thought it was cool. <laughs> what was you that? Could- what was that first guitar? Wasn't my first guitar. It was an expensive Rickenbacker. It's a John Lennon Rickenbacker. There's only been one Rickenbacker, that two Rickenbacker John Lennon guitars ever made that sounded good. It was the ones that John played. It was because it was John playing on that sauce of a guitar. John could have played a rubber band. And people don't realize what a brilliant guitar player. To I don't think enough people do. I don't think enough people oh, realize. They, they give George a lot of the credit, and then they give Paul awesome. credit for writing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, George, and, and they were phenomenal. And you've talked uh, about this in your videos, too, like how yeah. amazing they were. But but John Lennon, his guitar skills were just – they were just at, at, at max the entire time. He didn't mess around. But I don't think enough people saw that because they saw John Lennon as the person, as this figure, you know, when as he... As the Beatle. As the you Beatle, ask yeah. Bands, you ask all the Hamburg bands that were still alive, when they were alive, they all said he was the boss Beatle. Sure. And, but it wasn't just because he was the leader. I mean, he was, as a rhythm guitar player, especially in British invasion music, most of the time, the heavy work is done by the rhythm player and the pretty work is done by... The lead player. But that heavy work, like in this boy, he, he's doing this. He's like, you watch him on the Sullivan show, his arm is in his perfect time. Now, funny story. Both George Harrison mentioned the brilliance of Charlie Gracie and Paul McCartney is such a fan that he wrote the foreword for the Charlie Gracie book that was released by the biggest publisher, music publisher in the world. He wrote the foreword for the book, Rock and Roll's Hidden Giant, Charlie Gracie. And every time Paul comes to Philly, guess who he invites to the show and goes backstage and hangs with him? And he covered Charlie's songs. Now, in this series of events, trust me, I've got about six embarrassing stories I can tell. (laughs) But we're not going to tell those right now. We're not going to do those right now. On numerous occasions, old QJ here stuck my foot right in my mouth. <laughs> I've heard I've heard these stories in private, and I'm grateful that I got the knowledge. But I'm also smart enough to know we're not doing that right now. Yeah, we're not doing that today. 
<laughs> but anyway, so let's go back. Let's go. As I, t- I totally threw us off the rails there, as I expected. But sorry. So you were playing a Rickenbacker, and yeah, and, 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 and let me let me stop. It's only the Rickenbacker three twenty. Rickenbackers are fantastic guitars, but the three twenty is a short guitar. Yeah. It's short scale. Unless you have the right strings and you have it set up the right way, it won't stay in tune. I I certainly had none of those things done. You're lucky. I even had strings on the son of a bitch. You know, I started out in tune to begin we're with. We're lucky. So, <laughs> were you were you tuning your own guitar at that point, or were you yes, just was, we, there were no tuners at that time? Because so you, you were just like, doing this all like, by ding, ear. Ding ding ding! You're trying to tune by ear. Give me an A, you know. <laughs> and then you know, people are like, rah, 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 rah. you've had a couple of drinks and you're nervous, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. And you're 19, and the place is packed. And you're none of them are there to see you at all. <laughs> They hate you. You haven't even got on stage and they hate you. And these are the things that young bands don't get to do, I don't think, anymore. I just don't think they do because a lot of young bands, and it's cool. We were too, listen, I was too unpopular and too stupid Mm. to have a party and have my friends come over. Right. Listen, my dad was a horse trainer. I had a whole stable full of horses. In high school, what do girls love? Rock and roll and horses, both of which I had. Neither of which I shared. I never once <laughs> invited a girl out to the barn under any condition. So I'm a bit dumb. But what I did have was the balls to go play in front of the Hooters. I had the balls when Charlie Gracie said, hey, do you want to go on the road with me at opening for Van Morrison? I said, yes. I had. He, want, he hired me to play bass. Guess how many gigs I had on the bass before that? <laughs> One. None. None. None at Zero. all. I didn't even have a fucking bass. Oh, man. Oh. I had a phone call. He goes, Van Morrison just called me. I, he said that I'm. he wants me to go on tour, and guess what? He wants me to bring my own guys, and I don't want to bring my regular band because I want a harder-edged band. He goes, now, I know you're a guitar player. I'm going to play guitar. I want a bass player, a piano player, and a drummer. Can you play the bass, and can you get two other guys? I said, yep. I said, I play that bass like a humdinger. Oh, my God. So you basically just lied your ass off. I didn't lie because I could play the bass. Well, okay. I played the bass in the studio. Sure. Playing the bass in the studio is the difference between acting in a film and acting on a play. Both take talent, but in a film, you can go cut. Live, you can't, right? Right, right. In a studio, I can go, oh, I screwed that up. Let me go back. And the bass is a completely different animal. You know, but don't forget, McCartney started out as a guitar player. He's a guitar player first. Yeah. Piano player, piano player second, a drummer third. I don't think enough people realize realize that he plays the drums. Yeah. 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 He was going to drum at one point in the Beatles before they got Pete Best. So when I think it was, forgive me, because I'm trying to remember the the order of how the Beatles started here. We're going to go off track for a second real quick. But just because I know you know this. So... Paul and John started it up, right? No, it was the Quarrymen. John already had a band with a with a bunch of school guys. It was a different band. It was a skiffle band called the Quarrymen. Okay. And then basically, what happens a lot of times with bands is, and this happens with everything from, you know, bands to motorcycle clubs, right? Sure. I, again, they start out as one thing, and they're completely different by the time the public sees them. But they were a skiffle band. Now, the king of skiffle is Lonnie Donegan. And they were trying to be Lonnie Donegan. I toured with Lonnie Donegan on that Van Morrison tour. Lonnie Donegan was on that tour. This guy that inspired the Beatles. It was amazing. And nobody knew who he was. But back to this story. So after Paul brought George, and it was those guys for a while, then John brought Stu. Okay, so it was, 
And then they hired, they got finally had a guy named Tommy Moore on drums and Tommy quit after a Scotland tour where they all took stage names and Paul's name was Paul Ramon. And that's where the Ramones got their name from. No the Ramones, kidding. Yes. It was after Paul Ramon, Paul's stage name on wow. the Scotland tour where they backed up Johnny Gentle. And they were upset because the guy that managed Johnny Gentle had all these artists with stage names like, you know, uh, Timmy Hurricane and Tony <laughs> Terrible. And they thought they were going to be with a cool band and they got Johnny Gentle. But Johnny anyway, Gentle. Tom came back. And he was mad because he didn't make enough money. His girlfriend insisted that he either quits the Beetle and goes to work at the bottle factory or she's going to leave him. And he chose the bottle factory. Yeah. And to this, uh, uh, and there are interviews where Harrison said he was the best drummer. Anyways, he best <laughs> Ringo Starr. Back to my story, which was I don't even remember. Anything. No, so we were going. We, this all started because we were talking about Rickenbacker guitars and everything like that. And and uh, the Hooters played. You opened for them at the, at the village. Oh yeah, so he was like, get a good guitar, you know, yeah. get a guitar this season, and get a good amp. I had a really, you know, I had a solid state amp and all this shit. And then I took his advice. Yeah. And I listened. And what's so amazing is, you know, here's the thing. I know a lot of guys when I was in high school that had deemed themselves great musicians, <laughs> and they, and they were for their day, right? They were for their debt. Sure. But that's where they stopped. I still have to look at myself and criticize myself and continue to continue to continue, you know, to push, push, push. Sure. It sure. won't be till they nail the coffin lid. I'm just now starting to get confident after 45 years. I'm just now getting confident. Okay. So my point is I kept working and working and working. And I always threw myself in over my head. When I got the, uh, the gig with Charlie Gracie, I was in over my head. The first gig is Reno, Nevada, opening for Van Morrison. I turned to the curtains going up. I say, you know, this is my first gig on bass. One, two, three, four. Let's go, motherfucker. And I got news for you. If you can't hang, get the hell off the goddamn stage. <laughs> That's the rule you live and die by. Robert Gordon will throw you right out of the studio. Oh, Charlie And he Gracie, has. He, and he has. Yeah. Charlie Gracie will rip you a new one. You, oh, you better shut if you don't produce, man, you are out. Okay, first gig I played with Peter Noon. Yeah. Hermes Hermes, right? Peter Noon is a prince. He's one of my favorite guys I ever worked for, and he can be a terror. And I was a temporary employee. But you knew that to... going in, right? Yeah, oh, hell yeah. I yeah. hired to replace their, 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 their permanent guy, had a whole bunch of gigs he couldn't do. So, and they also knew, you know, here's the thing. When you're a professional, you don't try to steal the guy's gig. You know, you go do the job. Anyways, long story short, no rehearsals, nothing. In fact, I had to audition to get the substitute role. It was so funny. I showed up at the audition every, in Philly. Every stereotypical type of guitar player or guy was there. I'm sorry. Am I boring you? No, why? I'll I, see I, you later. No, no, no. Bye. <laughs> Nobody, nobody has seen me get up and move, except now okay. we're telling everybody about it. I just had to change my lighting okay. while you continue to tell your right, story. Right. You know, you know, I'm quite, quite used to people walking out in the middle of my long-winded <laughs> story. <laughs> you just completely, completely called me out for getting up and changing my lighting in the middle of this whole thing. Thanks, Quentin. I appreciate hey, it. I thought you had the technology that is both of us. Who are we watching, me or you? Is it, we're, at the time, we were just watching you. Oh, you can flip back and forth? I have a studio going on on my laptop that I can, I can control where we're cutting to. So I, I made it just you for a second, and then I got up and walked away. I was trying to adjust this reflector I have over here, 
and, and you completely call me out for getting can you up. Do, can you do two at a time? Could you yeah, guys be well, on? That, that's what we're can doing you, the entire will you time. Teach, will you teach me this? Because my brother and I want to do a show. I will completely produce a show for your brother and you. That would be hilarious. Okay, you yeah. said enough. We're going to talk about it. And I'm going to tell him. I'm going to just remember. Just remember. Yeah. Just remember. Just remember. I may come off as rough and gruff, but I'm a pussycat. <laughs> My brother, you don't tell him you're going to produce a show and, and then don't do it. You know that, right? Oh, I, I've i met Wendell. I know. I know better. Okay. It's okay. All right. Let, let me there say were people, I, there were there were people that were terrified to open for the rodeo clowns and play with us literally yeah and 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 we, and we only beat I never beat anybody up I never did Chris Haas did and my brother did but I never did. Well, for, for the sake of the, for the sake of this and your lawyer's uh the peace of mind nobody and, beat anybody up allegedly. Oh, allegedly allegedly <laughs> allegedly allegedly Let's oh. change the subject. Anyway, so back no, to this would be a great this would be a great show, Wendell and I. We want to do it. Yeah, I gotta get my hair cut, man. I'm looking like shit and all this. We all hey, I took a sorry, shower I'm, and shaved just for you, I man. I don't get any dates, anyways. You know, <laughs> you and me both, brother. I you went and... to a date. I went on one date, and I won't talk to it too much. But before, I ordered some fried rice, and before the fried rice even got back, <laughs> I was <laughs> accused of everything. <laughs> I what? didn't even. I was. I. 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 I, I, I what? I was attacked. <laughs> Maybe it's just your personality. I was like, I just wanted some fried rice. Your, I didn't realize your sterling personality comes out, and they just, they just realize, like, oh, this is. You know what? I'm just done. <laughs> you did you ever see the dating game? Yeah, I remember the dating game. Yeah, I saw Steve Martin was a contestant on it. Oh my and god, he, and that was ages. Won. And he won. It was must have been in the sixties. Must have been. He I won. Did. And it was Dean Martin's daughter was the Bachelorette. Oh my God! Dude. Yeah, it's on YouTube. So, but funny story about that is that there are a lot of celebrities from back in the day who went on those shows. Well, that was okay. Um, game shows were the uh, reality TV of the day. Those were the shows that either got you your name. Or can kept your name in front of the audience until you could get another series. So you might have been on series A, that got canceled, you didn't want to go away. So you you got your agent to get you on password and you know, uh, you know, a, a dating game and uh all that stuff. Right, know? right, right. Yeah. Dude, yeah, Farrah I... Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett was on it. You know who she is? Um yeah, no, sorry, Farrah. Some some idiot left a comment in here, and I what just had to I just had to hide him because he was just being a moron. So what do you I, want? Uh, I don't know. He just I'll tell you later what he said because I'm not going to repeat it. But I hit his comment, um, Mr. Cody was Guthrie. You I don't even know who he is. If I know you, I'm sorry. I don't remember you. But did you're I piss being him off, ass. or did you piss him off? I don't think anybody did pissed I piss him, him off. off. No. Oh, okay. Now, anyway, so going back to what you're saying, I do know who Farrah Fawcett is, of course. If you don't, it's the the uh, glowing locks bathing suit uh, uh, poster late that 70s. everybody in the late 70s had on their wall kind of thing. If, if, if the movie Shawshank Redemption lasted another decade, she would have been the next poster. Remember how he had the poster in his cell? And yeah. Of the hot girl, and it kept going. I think the last one was, was Raquel Welch. 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it was well, anyways, right. That's the end of our comment. We're just talking about how they would go on TV. Back to the other story. I never thought I would end up working with David in a band and having Eric sing. I have an Eric play keyboards right on on a QDK record. So, the point so going is, into that too, Graham Nash. That's right. Graham Nash told me the reason he sang on Charlie's records. Yeah, for free. He sang on Charlie's records for free, was because when he was a kid, Charlie had played in his town of Manchester and him and his sister waited at the back door of the theater for Charlie to come out. When Charlie came out, he saw the two kids standing there and he stopped and talked to him. Right. And Graham said, I play guitar. And he said, Charlie was just so polite and kind. Anyways, long story short. Yeah. Graham never forgot, forgot Charlie's kindness. And I hear yeah. that story over and over and over and over. There are so many celebrities that talk about, it. and I try to learn that. And I was so nice that I had people like, in Lancaster, the guys in the band, the Sharks, they yeah. were that way. They were kind to me. Yeah. They were way ahead of me. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. could have been dicks. They weren't. They could have easily. Yeah. They could have easily. Because the guys in the Sharks, they're like local legends, man. People treat yep. those guys like gods. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and right, they're a great band. They're an awesome band. Yeah. I was a fan. I was a fan. Yeah. Still am a fan. In fact, the last time they were playing, Kenny Harrison and I went down to watch them. Yeah. So Kenny Harrison from the Yardbirds, who's the, who's the K... Of QDK uh, is, you know, I want to get into that a little bit as far as your project with QDK and how that came about. But going back to it, so I know the story behind it because I got to film the video of you guys in the studio and recording your album. And I got to learn about who QDK is. And, and I was familiar with the Hooters and the Yardbirds, of course, and I've known you. So I knew that story. But to hear how you guys all came together is pretty cool. To hear Dave tell it is pretty cool because... Uh, you know, you and Dave. Man, get fucking Dave on here. Yeah. <laughs> I want I you want people to, to go watch the damn video. Okay. You're an asshole. You know, you know I'm kidding, right? You know I'm kidding, right? You know I'm joking. Right? Yeah, I know. I know. And, and I, I, I would love to have Dave on here. Dave's, and I Dave's hope great. The audience knows I, I'm joking with that kind of talk. You know, you and I. Yeah. Blah. That's that's the thing you have to understand about about Quentin in general, but also me and Quentin in general. If we're not giving each other shit, there's probably something wrong or very serious happening. And there's enough seriousness in the world right now. Let's just joke around and have some fun, you know? As a band leader, I can be tough. But, you know, I was going to tell you the Peter Noon thing real quick. Here, I mean, yeah. I wrap everything up. First time I played Peter Noon, he said, hey, Q, great job, but you messed one note up. Fix it by tomorrow. That's Ooh. why I'm telling you how tough these guys are. Yeah. Yeah. He called me out one note. One note. But he heard it. I mean, you know what? I've heard yeah, he you. I've heard you as a producer and I've heard you as a band leader in the and and be just as hard on the people in the studio. And and harder on yourself. Yeah. Well, you have to be. You yeah. have to be. And here's the thing. Uh when you and I do it, we know it's a we and I'm not like the kind of guy that sees somebody, hey shithead, how are you? I don't do that. I don't no. you and I know. I mean, I don't usually bust people to but you and I I don't know. Somehow you and I got into this thing where we're about half insulting to each other half the time. But you accused me of being of being uh uh what'd you, what'd you call me yesterday? You said I was grumpy or something like that. I I agree. Know, grumpy I is a bear with a sword. I said, God, you're all aggressive and everything. You know? I, I didn't feel I, I was being that way. Easy. I, after that conversation, you have no idea. You're right, I'm wrong. I was, I was very much like sitting there with myself like, damn, was I being an asshole? I don't know. Do I, I don't remember. Like I didn't think I was being a jerk. And maybe <laughs> no, it's just because we're all cooped up right now. And I don't know. You yeah. know. 
I've been I've been preaching that. I've been telling people, man, cut people a break. You know, yeah. smile and laugh about yeah. it. Yeah. But anyways, um, QDK. So here's the story. Yeah. One of the things I've always done in my career is if a door shuts, I look for the other one that opens. And that's how, as you say, I've had lots of opportunities. Right. Because I am always ready for those opportunities. Now, when you do that, there are certain things that come along with that. Would you like me to tell you some of the things that come along with it? Of course. If you see me looking away, it's because I'm trying to control this mess of media I have in front of me. Please. Divorces come with that. Yeah. Friendships come with that. Mm. You know, reputation comes with that. You know, not good. Uh, Loss of, (laughs) of financial future, current, and past all come with that. You know, they say make sacrifices. That's what they're talking about. I mean, truly, it is. You have to be able to say if you're if you're married or in a relationship and you and they say we got a tour for you. You don't have to say you don't say I have to check with my wife. You know, you say yes, because if you don't, somebody else will. Right. Right. And a lot of people don't want to live that life. And I understand that that doesn't make them less of a musician. That's why there are some musicians out there that are way better than the guys you're watching on TV. Well, yeah, opportunities. But maybe the person you're seeing on TV had decided to sacrifice so many things to keep their door open for those opportunities. Right. Because I'll tell you the story on the Charlie Gracie story. Mm. Uh, I called. I told him, yes, I can put a band together. I'll call you right back. I called my drummer. He said, yes. I called the keyboard player. He says, I have to check with my wife. I called Charlie back. I said, I can do it. The drummer can do it. I got a great keyboard player just waiting back. He's going to call me any minute. He's talking to his wife. Charlie said, too late. I got to give him a name now. I got another guy. See Man. Man. I went on tour, the drummer went on tour, and somebody else on the keyboard player. And like two hours later, the guy that originally said, Oh, hey, I talked to my wife, she says it's okay. Man. And I was like, it's Sorry. Over. And to this day, guess who he blames? He bl- I'm sure he blames you. Blames me. Of course. To the, and we're still friends. Well, as and long as you're still friends, I think oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I've explained it to him a hundred times, but he doesn't believe me. Well, and, and, but that's the thing is when you get to a certain level and I can speak from the film world, at least too, whether you're getting a gig as an actor or you're getting a gig on a crew, sometimes you do need that. Yes. Right away. That's just how it is in the industry. There's the people who pull the strings and are in charge sometimes. And I can say this cause I've been in that chair and I'm sure you have as well. They have to have that answer within five minutes or the whole damn thing might fall apart. Exactly. And so, unfortunately, that's the name of the game sometimes. I've always tried to do it where I can give people enough leeway and say, hey, look, you know, give me, get back to me in a day. Get back to me in an hour. You know, that's your, that's your window. If you can't get back to me in that time frame, I'm sorry. Ship sailed. But, I mean, nobody wants to be that way, but that's just how it is sometimes. That's the name of the game. Things might be totally different coming out of this, this virus. I think that, I mean, we've talked about this privately, but... You know, the world is going to be entirely different. The entertainment industry is going to be entirely different uh, as far as, you know, what people are willing to do and, and and gigging musicians, gigging actors, crew people. You know, it's going to be pretty, pretty competitive for a while, I think. I don't know if you agree or not. I don't know. I don't know because we don't know what lies in front of us, but I yeah. do know one thing. Whether it's competitive or not, because, you know, uh, I think there, listen, there are a lot of people that are excellent 
and they love the security of working a job and they want yeah. a nice life and they are wonderful artists. Sure. It is not for everyone. That doesn't mean that those people shouldn't perform, but those, the people that do not want to give everything up. And it's not that I want to give it up. I don't want, I never wanted one divorce. Sure. Right? But, but it's at the end of the day, it's not for me a choice. Right. I have no choice. Right. There's no choice. I will not stop. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm expecting nothing but to do it. There's no stardom. I, to me, I don't care if I'm playing Monday night in front of four people or Saturday night in front of 40,000. I don't care. It's what I do. You just want to play. Charlie Gracie taught me that. And, and yeah. I want to be, I want to keep making myself better and better and better. And being around guys like Dougie Phillips and guys like David Osikinen that recognized that in me. Yeah. And then nurtured it. Well, and that's. I a, was so. And Charlie Gracie. And so sure. I, I'm a thousand times the musician I am because I worked with Charlie Gracie than when I went into it. I didn't. Re Listen, working with me, Charlie got another national. Uh, Charlie, on my projects, got him on the biggest record company in the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. Got him back in front of the mainstream. But what he did for me, a million times more. Because he, he planted those seeds for you, or rather, he sowed those seeds. Amazing story. Charlie, okay, we did the Van Morrison tour, right? Right. That was like clockwork. Seven o'clock, sound check. Okay, if fans band was on at seven o'clock, guess what happened? They got cut off. Everything works as well. And we had it, we played from eight to 8.30. Right. And the stage was set up exactly the same every night. When I landed in Reno, Nevada, the first gig, they took my instrument and I only touched it when I played. I wasn't allowed to touch it. Not allowed to move the amp. I'm not allowed to touch the amp. It's against union rules. And by the way, come over in my house. I got fucking spaghetti everywhere. These guys are <laughs> artists. These guys are talent. Yeah, if you've never They're been behind no. the scenes at a concert, at a, at a real con, I'm not talking about a show. I'm talking about an actual stage crew, everybody or professionally doing set, this. Right? Oh, everything. Yeah, everything. It is it is so especially the ones where the unions are involved because you know, they're so meticulous about what they are and aren't allowed to do that they have to have it set up like clockwork. And that's the difference between and I'm sure Charlie came about that through experience only. I'm sure he only got that way because he went through all those times where things just got all completely messed up and you know Everybody was late. This guy's drunk. This guy's high. I can't get their shit together. So he's he's gone through the paces, and that's why that gets to that point of of uh, of being that sort of general, I guess, if, you, if for lack of a better word. Yes, and you know the other thing about it is it's perfect. So stay the fuck out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> job. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So my point is very right. And, and we play the same set every night. Okay. So tour is over. Charlie goes back to his regular band. Sure. I, I never saw him with his regular band. Never saw him. Never. So that summer or the summer after, I don't remember. Huh? No, I never saw him with his regular band. Oh, wow. So he, 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 I was his rock and roll band. So that should have tipped me off right away. <laughs> but, but uh, he called me up and said, Hey, I need a bass player for the summer. 
Yeah. Uh, my mine's you know passed away unfortunately. Jeez. He says, "Do you want the gig?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. You know, absolutely." And I really needed the work. And this was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday work every week. Yeah, it was just amazing. Plus, peppered with other things. So I said, "Okay, when do we rehearse?" He goes, "We're doing four sets. That's literally four and a half times more music than what I did with them before." He's like, "Okay, when are we getting together? What songs are we doing?" He goes, "I don't know." He said, "What?" I don't know. So you don't know what? I said, well, when are we going to practice? He goes, no, we're not practicing. I said, oh, that's all right. No worries. Just tell me what songs and keys you want, and I'll do my homework. Uh, I don't know. Can you give me a list of songs? Kid, I know 3,000 songs. Here's the deal. Why don't you show up at the first gig? And if you're there at the last gig, you'll be able to play with anybody. Wow. Now, I can't tell you what it's like to show up thinking that it's going to be along the lines of this swanky club. Because, you know, I we were backstage and there's Eric Clapton and there's, you know, uh, 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 the guy, the girl who played Morticia, or Angelica Houston, and there's me and Brooke Shields, you know, there's a lot of, uh, Robbie Robinson, you know. Ooh, I'm thinking that, right? Or I'm at least thinking some kind of a country club, higher end nightclub in Wildwood, New Jersey, which right. I was never at. I wasn't in Wildwood because I had to work for the dad at the horses with the horses. I was too busy riding around with horses to go to the goddamn beach. But that's another story for another episode. <laughs> so, we'll get into we'll get into your father issues later on down the line. So, yeah. so no, <laughs> I have no issues. It was like Peter Pan. It was awesome. But anyways, um, so here's the deal. Uh, I show up. It's like a shanty on the beach. It's not. It's like everything's sticky. <laughs> And I look out in the audience and it's like, it looks like I'm looking at a Q-tip convention because everybody's got white hair, you know, and it's like totally not hip. Oh my. Not, sticky. There's no PA. Charlie just brings a speaker and he plugs into the speaker and the speaker blocks my vision of him. And if I do look at his hands, he's making all these cords that look like this. You know, you can't, like, he's got all these extra fingers in there, you know? And uh, he's going from Chuck Berry over to, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra to polka music. Then we're doing mummers. We're doing mummers. <laughs> and he's turning around, looking at me, yelling at me and shit. Can't you hear this? I'm like, no. I never fucking heard it before. <laughs> I'm going to get this old song done. I'm going to go and get a tape recorder, handheld tape recorder, because this was the 2002. And I was B-R-O-K-E broke. So I went and you know, had you know an old hand recorder. Yeah. And I went, got my really shitty cassettes, <laughs> and I taped them. And I went home that week, and I learned every song. I was like, ah, ha, ha, gotcha. Completely different songs. He didn't copy but two or three of them. I almost quit. I was almost like, I'm just not cut out for this. Oh, man. I just, I, you know, I was trying to decide what would be worse, you know, hanging myself, taking pills. Oh, know. my God. I, could I actually pull the trigger? You know, I'm like. That's terrible. But I stuck with them. And you know what I learned to do? What? I learned not to listen to the shit I used to listen to. Don't listen to the guitar. Don't worry. Listen to the vocal. Listen to the vocal. Understand where it's going. And you won't be wrong 90% of the time. And fuck it. I make I make mistakes 10% of the time whether I know the song or not. But, you know. Do you think anyone – I hear musicians say this all the time. 
oh, that you know, I'll go up to them after the show and say, oh, it was great, man. They're like, oh, yeah, we screwed up that one thing. I'm like, when? I didn't know. I mean, I'm not a musician. I like music. I can say if I like it and I think it's good or not, but it's subjective. So it's like, I don't know if you missed a chord unless it's blatantly obvious that it's just, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that musicians shouldn't practice their craft or, or strive for perfection, but, you know, I don't think that people in the audience, for the most part, and tell me if I'm wrong here, if you think I'm wrong, but I don't think they understand or even know when, when you guys well, make a little mistake. All right. So there's a couple of things that you have to think about in that statement. Uh, and, 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 and both things can be totally opposite and still true at the same time. So sure. let's, let's talk about it. If you're in a blues band, if yeah. you're a competent musician, mm-hmm. if you're in a jazz band, a jam band, bands like that, where improvising is key. Yeah. There is only the artists, the guitar player or the musicians judgment of themselves that, you know, it's like the whole thing where that if something's inside the box, is it there because it's there or is it only there when you see it? Right. When you perceive it. Right. So it's how you're perceiving it. A good musician. If you've paid money to go see a good musician, you should expect nothing less than for them to look back over their performance and try to perfect it. Just as though the surgeon thinks the next time I perform that operation, I need to do the stitch this way, or I need to do this, or the dentist, or the uh, the guy that's riding the bicycle, the bike racer knows, you know, next time I go in that turn, I, you and I would just be bopping around the turn like a big idiot, right? (laughs) But they know exactly everything. So that's one concept. Number two, when I was in Hermits, Hermits, yeah, those songs were easy to play. Okay. The difficult was playing them the same way every night. That in itself, because if a song is built on a riff that's four notes, and you fuck one of those notes up, you've just fucked up 25% of your part. <laughs> and trust me, you did not want to go to dinner after that show with Peter Noon. Oh, God. Because he'd say something like this. I heard him say it to the bass player one time. And he said rough shit to me, too. But my favorite was my very first gig. After I got, he told me in the bathroom, I met him in the, into, into the uh, dining room to have dinner. They had this big dining room. And everybody clapped. Good job, Q. And Peter says to the bass player, yeah, Kenny, you see. Not like you fucking up the first note. Oh. And because the people that are there are such fans that they will recognize. Right. So it depends on what type of... If you go to Beethoven and the trumpet player drops his trumpet and rolls over and jumps up in a stand, you go, look at that asshole. But if I drop my guitar and roll over, I'll go, ta-da! And you go, all right! <laughs> so it depends on the context. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all it's all about perception, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. My dad was watching a band. This is a true story. Or so he says, and I do not know my father to be a liar. He said, all of a sudden, the drummer went into a great drum solo. And he said, I looked up. He was laying over the drums. He fell into his drums. He had a heart attack and died. Oh, my. No way. Yeah, he goes like, oh my God. Why he's cutting loose now? Wow. (laughs) Oh my God. Who was it? I'm surprised surprised Dad didn't go, one more time. Oh, geez. 
Now I know where you get it from. <laughs> what? What? Uh, do you know what band it was? No, no, no. But back to QDK. You want me to tell that? Real yeah. Quick? So, so let, let me yeah. just let me just set this up for the people at home real quick. So, Quentin has played in in five thousand bands and with five million people, as you know. And he got together with uh, with Kenny Aronson and David Second from respectively the Yardbirds and the Hooters, amongst many other bands. And I'll drop a link on this page for the QDK video, the introduction, uh, introducing QDK, which I, I was humbled and honored to have been able to shot because did, I just did an amazing uh, job. Thank amazing. you very much. I was not not seeking praise. I just wanted. I'm. I was so happy to get out there that day with you and do that and and point out to you that your car was about to die. Which now. <laughs> Whole another story. I'm about half pissed at you because I don't like this blue car, you son of a bitch. I didn't I sell you the car. I didn't what sell you the car. Get off it. Matter? What would it matter if I kept the red car right now? We're not driving anyways. At least I'd have my old friendly car back, you bastard. You heartless bastard. You ruined my life. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about your misplaced anger in episode three of Chatting with Dr. Star. <laughs> oh my God, my face is red. Am I getting your temperature? Uh, I know I, as my face is so, yeah. so listen, so QDK, amazing musicians come together to save the heritage of rock and roll. Go. Bang. I connected with David Osikin in, in the nineties, late nineties. When I had another record label, I was working with Tommy Conwell, who was part of the whole Philadelphia scene when the Hooters were big. David remembered me or said he did. And I talked to him. And anyways, we struck up a friendship. Years later, I was at a record company and I was trying to get somebody to come in and help because I was doing everything myself. Numerous times I tried to bring people in to help and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. But it is part of the story that he came in and worked for a few months. But we in doing that, um, in doing that, I had him play on a couple of tracks. Now, right. I'm very good friends with. Uh, the drummer from the Reach Around Brother Pounds, Dave Ferreira. And I love him. But Dave's on the West Coast, and it got increasingly hard for me to work with Dave. Sure. And so I started working with Dave and Liberty. And Liberty DeVito got busy. And that's awesome, because he started doing that Billy Joel band. And it's awesome. And Liberty's a phenomenal guy. Liberty played drums in the Reach Around Rodeo Clowns. And Reach Around Rodeo Clowns couldn't get together, so I started doing these Quentin Jones shows. I did one at the Roots and Blues. Yeah. Where I would get Kenny Arison, who I met through David Osikin. Kenny Arison was huge. He played with everybody. I mean, watch the film, but everybody from Billy Idol to Bob Dylan, okay? And uh, I met him through Dave. Well, Dave was on the road with the Hooters, so I got... I got Liberty DeVito to play drums, and we did these things where I had all these different guitar players and all these different stars. So anyways, as I said, the record label ended, and I always need to figure out, okay, how am I going to make my money? And I said, well, I'm going to go back. All I want to, I just want to play guitar. I'm done making records. I'm done being a producer. I'm a guitar. I just want to play my guitar. Right. So the first thing was I got hired by Rocket, Dr. Harmonica, phenomenal guy. By far, I, I love Rocket 88, and I love Dr. Monica. I am so honored to be in that band. So many great guitar players. Michael Davis came through that band. Roseanne came through that band. Tommy Conwell came through that band. Dr. Seth Ivins came through that band. All these great players, and I'm honored to be the guitar player. So here we go. I'm in the band with Rocket 88, and I started talking to Mark about Kenny Arison and David Osikinen. And he talks to me about Johnny Neal. Johnny Neal was in the Almond Brothers. And Mark and Johnny Neal 
me and David did this band called DC 500. It was really good, except for shortly thereafter, Mark got sick, Johnny got sidetracked, and a whole bunch of things happened, and the project just fell apart, as projects do sometimes. Sure. So last year, I needed to put something together for Billy Burnett. Billy Burnett's a big star. Billy Burnett's a phenomenal talent. You have to, if you don't know who he is, he was in Fleetwood Mac, but check him out. His name is Billy Burnett. He's, he was one of the best, I mean, he was one of the biggest solo country stars of his day. Sure. Anyhow, his family's like, his, his family's royalty in rock and roll. So he was going to do a Northeast tour. I had been talking to him for a while, one of the people I wanted to work with. So I put together, uh, at that time, Liberty couldn't do it. So I put David Osikis in me. And, and believe me, Dave's not the second choice. I love Dave, but it was always seemed that Dave and Liberty were on opposite schedules of being out on the road. And finally, me, Dave, and Liberty, I mean, me, Dave, and Kenny got together, backing up Billy Burnett. The chemistry was just awesome. It was like sparks. Right. Which I knew it was going to happen from BC 500. 100. Yeah. So after after that was done, Gretsch called me up. And they were doing a birthday party for the anniversary of Gretsch. And they wanted me to play a set. I was like, do you want me to bring BC 500 or do you want me to bring Rocky? Now, no, at, at this this point. At this point, are you endorsed by Gretsch at this point? That's why they called you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I've been endorsed by Gretsch since, I think, 2014. I've been honored to be an endorser or be endorsed by, or I don't know how you say it, but they're <laughs> my company. Yes. They they're wonderful to work with. They do. They help artists. I mean, not just rock stars. Artists. But, yeah. Yeah. They're I'm, there for the artists. I'm dropping links for all these things in the chat right now so that people can all go right. check some of this stuff out but please continue i'm but, sorry so anyways bc 500 i mean it was the quentin jones rock and roll review with liberty kenny fell apart dave who was working for landark went out in the road and i started jamming with dave we me and dave recorded some tracks with robert gordon dave dave and i worked on a couple of tracks together and then we did this bc 500 thing it was great it fell apart yeah billy burnett came and uh billy uh at this point i was now like but after Billy Burnett, I was like, this is the band I need to work with outside of Rocket 88. You know, Rocket 88 is Dr. Harmonica's band. I wanted to be in another band. And I'm honored to be in Doc's band. I, 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 whatever. So anyways, long story short, I said, okay, I finally got this thing. You know, it was like I was trying all this different stuff. Here's going to be my focus outside of Rocket 88 and right. my solo stuff. So I have my own original band. and But that didn't even happen. Gretsch called me up to do a party, and I hired these guys. And I went as Quentin Jones, not as any band. Okay. Because after that, I said to the guys, why don't we just keep doing it? Because this is working. And we just started, so let's try to do three gigs. So we did three gigs, and they were all successful. Yeah. And, but they were more successful musically. We got good, good, good. We we're gonna, And I said, well, let's, let's go record. And then from there, you saw it. And then so we were going to do this EP, and then this happened. And that's the story. But let me tell you, I'm so honored to play with Dave. And here's the thing. Right. I'm going to, I have a, I have a whole series coming out of yeah. podcasts. And I talked to different people. Like yesterday, I talked to Robert Ryan. Man, this guy was a, the top publicist in Hollywood. He had Michael J. Fox, Chrissy Alley. He had everybody in the 80s. He was huge. He did the movie Tremors. He did the movie uh, uh, the, the, the Craft. He, problem child he did all these movies nice. and i did a whole hour interview about what does a publicist do 
When do you need a publicist? What to look out for with a publicist? What makes yeah. a publicist great? You know, why you should. No, I have this coming. I think artists would love. And then I have an interview with David Osikkanen, the call. Outside of all his work, he worked with he worked with everybody. Outside of all that, the most impressive thing was he was in the Hooters and when the three of them made a record on their own with no record company. Yeah. And they sold 100, 150,000 copies. Yeah. And I did an hour show talking to him about being in an indie band. An indie band that gets signed to a major deal. What is the perspective of that? Yeah, well, much less now versus back then. Well, and I have different artists I'm going to talk to. Like, I have some, like, I want to try to get, you know, all these different people. I have people in the record industry and everything. And yes, I also want people to know what it was like. Look, earlier today I saw a father pushing a child in a little kid John Deere tractor across the hill with the mother following. We need more of that relaxation and we need more music and we need to appreciate things. Well, yeah, we were talking a little bit about this uh, before, before we went live here was, you know, the state of the world being what it is and, and to bring it down on a somber note here, but like, you know, well, to, to the state of the world is that we're not going to go back to, to normal. You know, there's there's going to be a new normal. And but what's what's the difference? I don't mean to interrupt you, but what's the difference? My point in that was, like, what's the difference if on Sundays or, OK, you don't want to make it Sunday, Tuesday. I don't give a yeah. take, take, not. Hey, if you want to look at it as religious, fine. But you don't have to. No, no, just no. I'm just, I'm, I'm, just I'm, I'm agreeing with day, you. Yeah. I know you are. One day where we just shut the fuck up <laughs> and we don't drive everywhere and it's going to reduce pollution, garbage. Yeah. You know, Go back to go back to paper bags and reusable glass bottles. Get rid of plastic. That's simple. Don't tell me, oh, by right, fuck you. Use a paper straw. What's the big deal? Here, how old are you? How old are you? Are you <laughs> over the age of seven? If you're over seven and you're a man, don't use a straw. Well, if I was, a, I'm using a straw, but it's but it's it's reusable. It's plastic, and it came with. I can't I can't take it out if I wanted to. <laughs> it's so when I drop it. <laughs> I'm gonna get you a sippy cup, and I'm gonna put your name on it. Remember, I told you about putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> I was waiting. A, I was waiting for you. To... I gotta tell this real quick, and then I gotta go. Okay, yeah, because you gotta go no. to your own channel and do a yeah. live thing now. But look, really, all Star and I are saying the reason I want people to know how it used to be for all these improvements as an artist, it was better in the old days. It was better the way it used to be as a musician. As a this musician, whole, yeah. As a musician. Whole, yeah. You know, I, listen, I'm not saying that it's not wonderful tools to have the internet. What we're doing now. Sure. Thank God we have this. Right. But let's live life a little slower and appreciate a little more yeah. and enjoy the ride. That's what makes a great musician is you don't look for the... I was given a lesson today. You don't look for the final. This is what makes me great. You just keep going. Yeah. But real quick, old guitar player says to me, What's it like playing for Charlie Gracie? I'm like, it's great, man. It's great. Hey, you know, Paul McCartney just recorded Charlie's song and I'm in the band with Charlie. I mean, so I'm really cool. And then Paul McCartney's playing a song that I'm part of. <laughs> Guy just looks at me. Four weeks later, I'm watching TV. There's Paul McCartney. He goes, this next song's by Charlie Gracie. The guitar player starts and it's that guy. That guy. I was bragging to him about Paul McCartney and he's Paul McCartney's bass player. <laughs> As I sat there, my head turned into a giant... Male private part. How's that? <laughs> that was out of all the curse words we dropped, and suddenly you you decide to censor That's yourself. Because so. I'm 
just don't want to. I mean, all right. That's this, great. Hey, listen, thanks. Quentin. Thank you. You're you're my and friend, I want, uh, my I brother. You. I love you, man. Thank, thank you so much man. for this. We'll and talk again to, soon. I want, to, I want you to produce that show. Let's get on that. We will. Let's we'll talk, t- we'll talk, talk about, about that about it tonight or tomorrow. All right? Yeah, let's get in touch this week and we'll figure it all out. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Quentin Jones, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I hope you guys had fun and keep safe. Have fun. Laugh at yourself. And if you don't want to laugh at yourself, watch this. You can laugh at me. I don't mind. I'll be. <laughs> I'll be whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's okay, man. And wash it's your okay. damn hands. Well, my mom taught me that when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget my brother Bruce telling the story. He came into the house when he was a little kid going, fuck, 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 fuck. He said, mom just came over, took him by the wrist, led him into the bathroom. He was going, fuck, fuck, fuck. She took the soap, washed his mouth out with it. Oh <laughs> that was the last time he said, fuck. Uh, in front of your mother, at least. <laughs> I, I don't know if he ever said it again. <laughs> that, that sounds traumatizing enough that they would just, you know, that's it. I'm never using that well, word. A little soap straighten you right up is what I'm saying. You go home, mom, go right upstairs real quick, get in the tub. It cleans you your know? mouth and it kills the coronavirus. And here's the other thing. By 7 o'clock, our little asses were in bed, not at the grocery store buying chocolate cheesecake. <laughs> Look, man, dad, that was... walked around, <laughs> dad walked around in his sweats, <laughs> sucking on a big sippy cup of punch. <laughs> Star Get- Wars Yoda shirt on. <laughs> Get the hell out of here, you grumpy old bastard. Off. You do it or do I do it? I'll do it. I did this. I got up and I was dirty, so I quick took. They said you wash after you go outside. And I was talking to somebody on the web. I jumped up. I took all my clothes off, and I realized I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> It's funny, your, your sponsorships went way up with everybody typing, put it back on, put it back on. And, and, and my, my mom called me today. She asked me about the squirrel. You know, you've seen the squirrel video? Yeah. I told her how friendly it was. I said, it comes right up to the door. She goes, don't let it into the house. You'll get in trouble. So I went up this morning. I called my mom. I said, mom, I had an issue. A squirrel got in the house. Oh, no. I said, yep. Yeah, ate all my weed. <laughs> I said, it's sitting on my couch with my wallet. It took my credit card out and ordered Domino. <laughs> And I can't have it because it got walnuts on it. <laughs> I'll see you. All right, brother. Be well. Talk to you yeah. soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, man. Quentin Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Quentin Jones, the one and only. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> that guy cracks me up whenever I talk to him. That's the beautiful part. Um Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight and laughing and just trying to alleviate a little bit of the stress in the world. Um, I, I don't have to be the one to tell you how how dire things are right now. And all I'm trying to do with this podcast and talking to people is just, you know, let's let's forget about things for about an hour and uh, and just talk about something else and get your mind off things and, and realize that, yeah, we're all in this together. We all have to help each other out. It is serious. I'm not trying to downplay any of that. It's it's incredibly serious. But it doesn't mean you can't stop for an hour and just laugh about life and all the crazy stuff that happens and, you know, stories from the past and everything like that. And uh, Quentin is certainly good for that. Thank you all so very much for joining us. Um, be well, be safe, and wash your damn hands.